I got to a really, really dark place last year, probably the darkest point I've ever been in. But the one thing that was my saving grace was my relationship with God and, and reading scripture every day and, and being in prayer. You know, I don't think the Bible's kidding when it's, it's like, that's your armor. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hey friends, it's time for yet another episode of the podcast, and I'm really thankful that you're with me this week. You know that every once in a while, I like to introduce you to new artists. Well, this week is one of those episodes, and I'm introducing you to a relative newcomer to Christian music, Stephen Stanley. Stephen is a Georgia native and a fellow preacher's kid, and we laugh a lot, and we really had a great time. But we also talk about depression and the stigma of being a Christian battling emotional and mental health issues. But what I like even more about this conversation is we look at some meaningful ways that we can be in community with folks who are living with this illness. Well, we'll get to our interview in just a minute, but I wanted to introduce you to Doug Hoffman. Doug is the executive director of Mercy, Inc. Doug, it would be really cool if you could just tell us a little bit about what is Mercy, Inc., and what do you do? Mercy, Inc. is a humanitarian 501c3 organization. We do humanitarian work around the world. We like to describe ourselves as being the hands and feet of Jesus to those that are disadvantaged, those who don't have what we have. And that might be food, that might be health, that might be spiritual. We reach out to them through compassion work, through helping hands bring them to Christ. I mean, that's our ultimate goal around the world. So if you think about it, what did Jesus do when he was on this earth? Jesus reached out to them. He was always healing, he was feeding, he was nurturing, he was helping emotionally. And that's what our model for, for mercy is, to be like Jesus. Always think about what would Jesus do if he was in that situation. Thanks, Doug. To learn more about the work of Mercy, Inc., head over to their website, mercyinc.org. You can learn more about being the hands and feet of Jesus around the world by visiting their website, mercyinc.org. Stephen Stanley has been working on his music career since the age of nine. He grew up listening to 70s and 80s rock bands, but it was a water ski accident that focused his energy on music. He knew he wanted to be in Christian music from a very early age and even attended a Christian college specifically to, quote, help his writing because he didn't want his songs to say anything that wasn't based on scripture. Then, early in 2020, Stephen got a record deal just in time for a global pandemic to nearly shut down the music industry. And yet, here he is, still making music, pointing people to Jesus. Let's learn more about Stephen and his music. So help me welcome to the podcast, Stephen Stanley. Welcome, Stephen. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. Good to meet you. So 
since our listeners, um, you're a relatively newbie to the national music scene. Yes. Uh, I know in Georgia, everybody knows you, right? Not really, but yeah. <laughs> we'll go with that. So let's just, start <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Some, let's just start with some popcorn kind of questions to kind of just get to know who you are a little bit. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, let's start with uh, what's your favorite sport and team? Favorite sport? Okay, well, I got to say Braves here in okay. Georgia. Um, oops, sorry, my wife called. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I'll say I'll say baseball is probably my favorite sport, and and the Braves. Did Atlanta you play Braves. baseball at all when you were a kid? Yes, I did all growing up, and I I can still hit a baseball. You know, yeah. So what position did you play? <laughs> um, I was shortstop. Okay, and then sometimes pitcher, but I was really bad at pitching. But <laughs> yeah, every sport yeah. I was in, I I always played left out. There you go. Bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're from the south. Uh, are you a barbecue fan? Oh yeah, I mean, you can't not be a barbecue fan. Okay, Carolina, Kansas City, Memphis, or Texas barbecue? Carolina, Carolina, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how about how about your favorite trip that you've ever done anywhere in the world? Oh man, um, I went to Mount Shasta, California, when I was about twelve. Cool. And for those of you that don't know, like Mount Shasta is one of the most beautiful places on the planet they had this lake there that was like in the top five cleanest lakes yep. in the world and you could yep. see like the it would be like 10 feet down you could see all the way to the bottom and see all the fish it was insane and we climbed all these mountains and i was with my dad and yeah it was awesome okay so we need to get you to come about six hours north yes and you'll think shasta is ugly because <laughs> the pacific northwest has way got shasta way beat <laughs> oh wow okay all right so let's talk about uh your do you have a phobia what what thing are you absolutely terrified of snakes i hate snakes <laughs> yeah I, i'm with you <laughs> okay uh last question one famous person that you'd like to meet hmm. famous person you know what i've always said that I would love to go to Waffle House with uh, Chris Pratt. Ah. Just, just, just go to Waffle House and eat some waffles. That's just, <laughs> just hang out. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I just, I really want to do that. <laughs> okay, Chris, you've got an appointment scheduled with Steven. Let's get this going. <laughs> there you go. I love it because <laughs> I'm sure he listens along with my mom, who's about all that yeah. listens to the podcast. I think so. <laughs> Well, you've uh, you've just recently kind of gotten signed to Sparrow Records and just yeah. released a solo project, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's talk about your career in music. I read in your bio that music is what you always wanted to do. Yeah, how did that get started? Where did where did the kind of that impetus start for you? Yeah, so it first started. I was in an accident uh, when I was nine years old. I was on a jet ski, and I don't know exactly what. What happened, I sort of blacked out, but basically I fell off the jet ski and I lost hearing in my left ear. Mm. And uh, because of, I was so young, you know, your inner ears kind of go out of whack and your balance is way off. So mm. I couldn't really play outside for a while until, you know, my brain could adjust to, oh, to yeah. just only having my right ear. So during that time, like we talked about baseball, yeah, that's what I was doing. I was playing little league baseball when I was nine, you know, and I couldn't do that. So... My mom had this old guitar, and that's really when I started playing. You know, my grandfather had like a tape, you know, like learn how to play guitar. My mom played, okay. so they taught me how to play, and that's really when it started. And then uh, I started in church. Uh, my dad's a pastor, 
so I used to, as, as soon as we moved here, where, where I am right now, we're at the same church. Okay. Uh, I started playing music for the children's church. Yep. And yep. They used to boo me. Uh, <laughs> It's not a joke. It's just, <laughs> it's just tough. They're a tough audience. Kids are. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they are very tough. But yeah, they used to boom. Then I eventually got a little better and started playing for the youth group and then uh, the main church. And um, yeah, so I started in worship music and then I just progressed and from there I started writing songs about thirteen. Okay. I don't know what it is. I asked, somebody asked me about this yesterday. They were like, "What? What it keeps you?" you know, always wanting to be in music and doing music. I honestly couldn't tell you just since I was nine years old, I just had this drive that came from somewhere to always be wanting to do music. And I just felt like it was always what I was supposed to do. And I was thinking about like um, this question. I saw it on Instagram. Somebody was like, if you knew that nobody would ever hear the music that you're making, uh, like if, if you knew literally nobody would hear it, would you still do it? And yeah. my answer is is absolutely yes. Like mm. I just have to do. I you know I I don't care if just one person hears it. I just <laughs> I don't care if it's my brother in my car. You know, <laughs> hearing it. You know, it's fine. So it's almost like breathing to you. Then is that what you're saying? It's like the, the integral part of who you are. I, I think so. I mean, I I try and not let like you know the sort of the success and failure that comes with with being in music define me. But it is something that that feels like you know feels like breathing or food. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I read in your bio where it talked about you know when you got frustrated and you got mad at mom, you'd go beat on drums and stuff. I mean, so <laughs> that was from the very beginning, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drums are drums are still something. I mean, I'm married now, and my wife knows when I'm upset. About something because I'm just like I'm just gonna go play drums, <laughs> go, go to church or something. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, for listeners, this is an audio only podcast, but I've got video with Stephen, and he's got a rack of about a dozen guitars and a keyboard, and there's cymbals sitting back there, and they're um, all from pawn shops. They're not like nice. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but but this is pointing to the fact that I mean, you play them all, right? You play everything. I try. I try. Like uh, I'll, I'll talk to like a bass player who's like a bass player. Yeah. I'm like, I play bass. You're a bass player. <laughs> like, <laughs> so do you have a favorite instrument that you like to play? Mm. You know, my answer changes like every couple of months. Like right now, maybe it's maybe it's like more piano, you know, key stuff. Yeah. But sometimes very rarely will I say guitar, but sometimes it's guitar and then and then I love drums too. Drums okay. are Drums are just like this release, and they're letting me play the drums on on my records now. So that's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that's an interesting answer because based on your first answer to the first question that I asked, is you said you picked up guitar first. Yeah, yeah. Up so that's your least favorite instrument. <laughs> I think it's because I'm the worst at it. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, I no, I don't know about that, but. Um, yeah, guitar was my first, but you know, maybe that's what it is. I've just been playing it for so long, but I still love guitar. I don't want to make it sound yeah. like I don't love it. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got a twelve string back there, and you've got—I mean, there's all kinds of guitars. So you're obviously trying to do a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I love—I love the rock music too. You got to have the guitar and the rock music. Oh, you got so. to. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
So you were talking about we're talking about the music in your veins and how that kind of drives you and pushes you, but you've chosen to make music about God, music about right, right. your relationship with Jesus. So I'm a preacher's kid as well, and the rebellious preacher's kid, you know, the PK stereotype that we all have. Sure. What was it that made you decide to do uh, music about Jesus instead of going off and you know writing rock songs about girls and sex, drugs, and rock and roll? You know. You know, I've tried uh you know just especially when i was a teenager i just never found you know i was never the person to like date a lot of people uh <laughs> you know i wasn't like uh that just wasn't my my life experience and i always felt like this conviction a lot even now when i write a song that you know like i've got a song coming out i guess by the time this podcast comes out it, it, it the song have already come out but i just i there's this song called note to self where it's like a letter to my younger self but you know a big part of the advice is god still got you you know mm -hmm. you know lean on your faith you know because that's that's the most important thing you know if i could give any advice to my younger self i found a photo of a younger me it's funny how smiling can hide what's underneath Sometimes I wish I could go back and help So this is what I say in a note to myself Hey there, lonely boy Don't you worry about the future Lord knows you're gonna get there Just keep taking it day by day There's gonna be some heartbreak You're gonna make some bad but God still got you even when it don't feel that way Oh, God still got you so you're gonna be okay Always reaching, always trying to measure up Asking the mirror if I'll ever be I think it's just always been something that I realized is a part of this music thing, and that is uh, in control of it and should always be number one, you know, when I'm writing about music, is 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 God and, and Jesus. And the message of Jesus is so much more powerful than anything I could, <laughs> I could say. <laughs> well, but then as a songwriter, I mean, how do you come up with new and fresh things to write about God? I mean... King David was one of the first songwriters. He's been writing music way back then. I mean, everybody's written everything, it seems like, about a relationship with God and music. How do you keep right. that fresh and make that unique for yourself? Yeah, you know, a lot of it came from growing up listening to Christian music a lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I would hear what, what people write about, but also doing sort of a deep dive into the history of Christian music. Uh, I forget the artist's name right now, but there was this song that came out, 
I think in the early 2000s or late 90s, this guy was just talking about how God made the color green. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what the song was about, was how God created the color green. And I think um, we're talking about the God who created creativity. Yeah. And there, I feel like there are so many ways, so many things you can talk about. You know, one thing I talk about a lot is mental health um, and how that relates to God and how that works with my relationship with God and how that, you know, sort of the Christian message or what we maybe, you know, our, our performance in life is that, oh, no, when you have a relationship with Jesus, everything is is just hunky-dory and, and just, <laughs> we have we have no problems, mental health, you know. What planet are you from, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's maybe been a little bit of a stigma around, you know, mental health and and Christianity. And I feel like that's that's sort of a, a unique angle, I think, that I've found just because that's what I personally deal with. Yeah. And I've heard some people say that, you know, nothing's unique anymore. You know, nothing nothing's original because it's all just based off something else. I don't know if I agree with that. I think if you are being honest about what's going on with you and your experience and your perspective, then I think it's always going to be original and unique and, you know, artistic. So, yeah, I think, I think there's all kinds of ways, man. We can, we can always get creative. (laughs) Well, and, but you, you gave another answer, I think maybe without realizing you gave it is the fact that we're created by God. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any two people on the planet with the same fingerprint. Yeah. There's never two snowflakes alike. And mm-hmm. if he's giving us the ability to be creative and we're tapping into that, then everything's going to be original. I mean, yeah. unless we copy it intentionally, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, dude, there are so many different, different subjects in the Bible. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many different, you could even talk about the same thing that another artist has talked about just with a different perspective, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's unique. I think, yeah, I think it's limitless what we can do. Well, one of the things that I always like talking about is your, your story about how you came to Christ. Now, like I already mentioned preacher's kids, you're born (laughs) with it. You're, uh, it's kind of the the family business, so to speak. But where was it that you, realized that this relationship with Jesus was something that you needed personally for yourself and not mm. just because dad said, Hey, we're at, from the sermon on Sunday, you've got to accept the Lord, you know, that kind of a thing. That's a great, no, that's a great way. I, I'll say this too. First, my dad is my hero. Mm. Uh, he's, you know, I think the whole rebellious pastor's kid thing. Um, you know, if your dad's on stage one way and then at home, he's completely different. You know, that, that, that's a whole nother message. You know, that's, I, I can see why somebody would get a little rebellious. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. But I, I love my dad. My dad is, he has the greatest integrity of anybody I've ever met in my entire mm-hmm. life. Um, But I will say like, there was, there was a moment when I was really young um, where I believed that I did accept Jesus and I, and I did start a relationship and believe the gospel. And I was about six or seven years old. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, I remember being, being in my dad's, you know, in their bedroom and and we're talking about it, but I think there was sort of this journey that I went on as a teenager and I was about 17. Um, I had started listening to a lot of these, I won't say names, but like 
prolific atheists in, in the mm-hmm. atheist world and really just being challenged, uh, yeah. like my faith being challenged. And I realized, and I think everybody, not just pastor's kids, but if you grew up in the church, you have to decide at a moment, uh, at a certain moment in time that you believe what you believe because you believe it, yes. not because your parents or your geographical location you can't rely on somebody else's experience with Christ, you know, to have your own, you know, as your own. So I was at this, uh, camp, believe it or not, leading worship. (laughs) Yeah. And I had just this, I mean, it was probably the lowest moment where I was just like, I don't know if God exists. Like this is, I have no idea. And I literally prayed right then. I was like, God, if you exist, it's the whole classic, like Jim Carrey, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's almighty. Give me a sign. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, God, please give, just give me a sign, something, anything. And, um, it's crazy. I, I get up on stage for all these teenagers and I'm, uh, I'm leading worship and the pastor that was speaking that, that week, he comes up to me and he goes, uh, are you okay? Like in the middle of mm. me singing. Oh, wow. He's like, are, are you all right? And the band's still playing. And I was like, no, no, I'm not okay. And he's like, can I pray for you? And uh, I, was, I was like, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he starts praying for me. And his prayer is full of this talk about faith and crisis of faith and 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 non-belief. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I remember, I just you know, it was like, okay, I think. I think the gospel's true. <laughs> I yeah. Think, I think the Holy Spirit is real. And I think, um, you know, it, that, that, that's sort of my, I, I don't think I ever lost faith completely, but I needed that sort of anchor, you know, that sort yeah. of experience that wasn't somebody else's. It was my own, you know, with Christ and then having many more after that, you know, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Well, you can talk about how great barbecue is and how wonderful it is, but unless you've personally experienced it, and yeah. you have that in your own vocabulary. This is what it tasted like. This is what it felt like, smelt like. It's not really your own experience. And so that's what yeah. you're talking about. The Lord reached to you and said, okay, I hear your cry. I hear your question. And he brought mm-hmm. literally brought somebody physically up to you to say, yeah, oh, here it is. Here's the answer. That's so cool. Yeah, man. That's so cool. Well, you talked a little bit earlier about some of your music being part of you know anxiety and depression and that kind of thing. And you talked about, we kind of joked about, you know, Christians aren't supposed to have that, but yeah. you've, you've had some of these experiences even after you said, okay, God, I know you exist. Talk right. a little bit about depression and anxiety and, and how does that fit into being a Christian? I say, I, I'm not sure how to ask the question because sure. a lot of people struggle with I'm not good enough. I'm not worth it. I, everybody, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. You know, that kind of thing. Um, How do you tell somebody about your experience going through that and how God helped you through that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, and God is, God is currently helping me through it. You know, I don't think, here's, here's what I really think. So I I started meeting with um, a, a family friend who is also a counselor and a, and a psychologist. And, um, he talked a lot about, uh, Sigmund Freud. So he's the founder of, of psychology. And when he started the church and him did not get along at all. Cause he was very anti-religion. 
Um, and right, I, I understand the church's position on, on Sigmund Freud. I mean, he was, he had some crazy ideas, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did. <laughs> but what I've talked about with, with him is the fact that I don't believe the soul is the brain. I don't think those are the same things. Mm-hmm. I think the brain is, is a part of the body and it can get sick. Yeah. You know? And I think there is, there's medicine that's available, not, not necessarily like a pill or a shot, but, you know, meeting with somebody and talking through things with like a, a counselor is, is medicine, you know, and, yeah. and working through things and then knowing, you know, having knowledge about that. And I think, I think for some reason, um, you know, we as believers think that, that our brain can't get sick. It's, it's like, it's totally different than the heart, you know, yeah. like our physical heart that pumps blood, like that can get sick. The brain's the same thing, you know? And I don't think there's any shame ever in, in thinking that, you know, if, if you're depressed uh, uh, or, or anxious that you don't have enough faith in God. Right. Um, I, I don't think, especially now. Yeah, the last few years and just everything, even, even, you know, you can disregard the last few years, but just with social media and what that's doing to people. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think, I think it's, it, <laughs> we're going to deal with stuff and we're going to get, we're going to go into depression and there has to be an open dialogue about it, you know, in the church. And I think there's, and I'm not saying that the church isn't, I think there's a lot of, my church is great. We have counselors here. And, um, I think, I think my dad has been one person that, that really, um, tries to help people. And, you know, and maybe sometimes the answer is not always, you need to pray more. You need to pray, but you also like, Hey, (laughs) you might have a chemical imbalance, you know, maybe there's something going on. Uh, you know, a friend of mine, you know, it was a couple of years ago, she almost committed suicide and went to the doctor. And every time she told somebody, they would say, you need to read your Bible more. You need to pray more. She's like, I am like every day, like for hours. And she went to the doctor and they're like, yeah, I think think you need to be on medication i think yeah. and she is and right now i know that sounds some people may completely disagree that you know maybe medication is not a good idea or counseling or meeting with a therapist but she's great now yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's fantastic she's doing amazing um yeah. you know she's never gotten back to that place and um you know i i think i know that people will disagree but i really think it's important to to talk about this stuff well, you know, I think about the fact that, you know, a lot of times we'll have, let, let's take somebody who has cancer, for example. Mm-hmm. We can pray for healing and we can pray for the miracle. And God does that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. But sometimes he relies on the smarts that he gave to doctors Yeah, to figure out a cocktail that we call chemotherapy, mm-hmm. that that fixes it. Yeah. Other times it's surgery, which is a different group of people who learn how to cut things out of your body and so forth. Yeah. Um, so God, God heals sometimes through professionals who know how to do something different than you and I know, right? Mm-hmm. It's like my car breaks down. I, you don't want me fixing it. I'm going to take it to a mechanic who knows what a carburetor is or whatever, you know? I'm allergic to pollen. I walked outside today outside my house and there's pollen all over my car. It takes yeah. some <laughs> allergy medicine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And yeah. so I think, I think, like you say, there's this stigma, and I don't know if it's because we as Christians have said, well, God will take care of it. And we just kind of wipe our hands of it and say, if God doesn't take care of it, then obviously you're messed up. 
Right. And and but if we think about a broken arm, we don't take a second thought about going right. to the doctor and getting a cast. Yeah. You know. You know, sometimes I, I totally believe that there are are powers at force that are dark Absolutely. and that do influence. And I'm not saying that it is never a spiritual thing that's going on. Um, but I, I don't think it's and it can be both too. Yes. I think sometimes, you know. So you've talked a little bit about seeing a counselor and stuff, but how does how does your faith work with people telling you, okay, read the Bible more, pray more, when it's really this chemical imbalance or it's really this you need a doctor? But how does faith play into that for you? For me, I mean, so this was something I started in in 2019, um, and I've been talking about this a lot lately. Just whenever somebody asks me for advice um, on anything, uh, I actually got this advice from. Um, I don't mean this as a name drop at all, but the best advice I ever got ever was Lauren Daigle. Mm. Um, I was at a conference. And a friend of mine knew her and they brought me backstage. And this was before I was, I was still kind of leading worship at my church at the youth group and everything. Yeah. And a friend of mine, he, he introduced me and uh, he's like, Hey, he wants to be a singer kind of like you. And she looks at me and she goes, seek the kingdom first and the stage will come. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> she said, nice to meet you. And just walks away. And I was like, man, okay. So I started, um, about this is probably a few months later. I made a decision to start reading my Bible every day, which sounds yeah. like the most Sunday school thing ever. Um, and not just reading it, but studying it and learning how to study scripture. Um, and that changed my life. How so? Um, I think everything started to just click with me. I was struggling in music, and all of a sudden, I knew what I wanted to say, kind of. Uh, I knew that, uh, I don't know how to describe it. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, God all, all of a sudden just gave me all the answers to life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Still figuring this thing out. But um, I knew that it's so hard to describe because I was just started making music that I, that I, and I had these desires you know, that I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't just want to be a worship leader. I wanted to write songs yeah. and, and, and travel. And, um, that was about the same time that I was started talking to Capitol, uh, Sparrow records. And, yeah. um, it just seemed like my relationship with God was the strongest thing in my life finally. And, and things just started clicking and not everything's perfect, but, um, and I think now, with you know dealing with with some mental health things was that really kicked in in 2020 uh, 2021 um i think i think reading scripture has been the one thing that's kept me from you know i i got to a really really dark place last year um really really dark probably the darkest point i've ever been in but the one thing that was my saving grace was my relationship with god uh and and reading scripture every day and and being in prayer um I think that's, you know, I don't think the Bible's kidding when it's, it's like, that's your armor. Yeah. You know, I don't think they're playing around. Like it, that's what I really felt like mm. is I felt even at my weakest, I felt like I still had this sort of thing I could fall back on. You know, I still had this faith I could fall back on and, and, and know that I'd be okay. So talk to folks who may not understand 
what that depression feels like, mm-hmm. how would you encourage them to interact with people who, like you, are going through a deep, dark time? Mm-hmm. Uh, what What would be helpful for the body of Christ to to come alongside you? What would that look like to come alongside you in your struggles of depression and anxiety and the dark time that you said? Hmm. That's uh, interesting. I mean, anybody I think that's that's gone through any sort of depression or anything, you know what it feels like. Honestly, it just feels like this. I heard a guy uh, describe something else using this metaphor, but it feels like uh, it feels like you're going down into this basement, uh, this dark room, and there's no steps to get back up on that door uh, and, and get back into the rest of the house. Yeah. Um, and you feel it's just a little bit like you feel a little bit trapped and you need somebody else to, to help you get back in there. I always had this great thing. My wife is the greatest person on the planet. And anytime that, you know, anytime I've ever had those really dark thoughts or those really, really depressive moments, she's the first person I tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the biggest thing is just not only communicating with God, about what's going on, but also finding a person to yeah. to try and be as open as possible. And then that person, you know, Anna, my wife, she's just, she's got this great way of just like putting her arm around me and just being like, it's, a, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> It'll yeah. be okay. I'll make you some hot chocolate or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, so how do you tell somebody who thinks that they've never experienced this and doesn't understand, because mm-hmm. one of the things I think we as Christians do, I mean, whether it's Black Lives Matter or, uh, you know, sexuality or depression or medical things, a lot of times we, what we're uncomfortable with, we don't talk about and we sure. don't, we don't help, you know, well, I could, I could never help Stephen when he's depressed. I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. How would you encourage the church to say, come alongside of people that, that, because, because you can't just say, when I'm depressed, when I'm frustrated, when I I don't want just anybody coming in and saying, "Oh, let's just make jokes and have fun," because that's not what I'm feeling like. Sure. So, what is it for you that is helpful when the body of Christ? What does it look like when it works, and then what does it look like when it doesn't work? Sure. I mean, I think the thing you said just coming around and like joking, just like, "Hey, you're having fun." <laughs> you know, yeah. Honestly, asking questions is the is the best thing. That's that's what's worked for me. It's just somebody coming alongside me and asking questions. Just be like, you know, what's going on? Yeah. Like, what is it? You know, a lot of times there's just things uh, for me that that'll help. The things that I want to say, but I just won't unless yeah. somebody asks. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think that's that's one thing is just asking questions and 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 having a conversation about what it is. Yeah. And I think just, just caring and, and being somebody's friend. I mean, that's, that's a huge help to somebody that's, that's going through a depression or, or having, you know, really anxious or. So you're talking about being in a relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a real relationship where it's not just, we hang out and go to, go to the game. Cause that's what's fun, but it's being willing to do the dirty stuff of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Work through stuff together. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean to get all dark and serious on this because I like no, to have fun no. on these podcasts, but I think it's, it's helpful great. for us to realize that we, as even if we're people who've battled with depression or mental illness, that we 
can come alongside of people and help encourage them through those situations too. So I, that's why I yeah. like talking about stuff like this. So absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, you, uh, you, you started doing music and you started kind of traveling around the local area. You have a couple of albums that you put out. I think the first one I saw was called taken the EP. That may oh, not gosh. be the first one. Uh, Where did you find that? <laughs> well, you know, Christian Music Archive, I dig hard to find everything that go. people, that people do. But then you got noticed, like you said, by Capital Sparrow Records. Yeah. And you released a brand new album right at the beginning of a pandemic. And so yeah. touring gets shut down. You're not doing traveling. You're when marketing an album is playing concerts. So what was that like? Releasing an album and then having the entire industry go, we're stopped. Well, I wasn't in the industry before. So I guess I really didn't know how it works. I know like when you release a radio single, you're supposed to go do this radio tour and go around and go. That didn't happen. We just Zoomed. Yeah. We did like fun stuff on the Zoom call. So (laughs) honestly, nothing was different for me because I was just going along. I mean, it was all you know, obviously I'm releasing an album and or EP and stuff like that. So that was different, but yeah, every, the process was just, I didn't know anything different. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Maybe this is how it works, but yeah. And shows that was, that was really, um, it was really, really great. Um, earlier last year when I started doing a little bit of, you know, these festivals and that was like, that was a moment where I was like, Oh man, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Like this feels this feels great. I guess it was strange for everybody else, but I was fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of business as usual except for maybe yeah. a few few fewer uh, concerts. I just got to talk to more people in my PJs every day on Zoom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so the the current album that I have out is is entitled Stephen Stanley. I mean, it's a your self-titled yeah. debut EP. And the current signal that I have off of that is No Hopeless Soul. Talk a little bit. I want to play the song, but talk a little bit about what's behind that song. I think it's a little bit more about, we're talking about the anxiety and depression and some of that stuff. But yeah. give us give us how that story came about and uh, what you hope that story does yeah. for folks. No Hopeless, I think, so when we wrote it, um, you know, I mentioned my dad's a pastor. It always came from my dad and, and people at the church coming into church and feeling like they weren't good enough Mm. or that they had too much sin in their life or they had, you know, some, something was going on in their heart where they felt like they couldn't go to church or they couldn't talk to their family, um, you know, about what was going on. And, um, I just wanted to write a song that that's, that's not what Jesus says. (laughs) You know, he says, there's nobody that's hopeless, Yeah, you know, come, come to me and and I'll I'll work that out but but you don't have to be ashamed to to come to me and talk to me do you feel paralyzed by the things you try to hide that take place inside your mind won't let you go do you feel under attack like a chain is on your back every breath hurts so
Let your hands be sanitized Let your soul be unified By perfect love God don't make no mistakes Nothing he can't erase Nothing he can't undo Never gives up That's really where the song came from. At this point, you know, that song, it feels like it came out like six years ago, but it was, <laughs> it was only a little bit <laughs> right. over a year ago. Yeah. And it means something completely different to me now. Um, it was sort of this start um, to what led me down. You know, I mentioned earlier, 2021 got a little dark yeah. um, sort of in the middle. And I, I was releasing songs and... Um, they were doing good. Uh, I had some, you know, things on, on TikTok do well and, and, um, stuff like that. But I got into this depression, you know, again, like what we were talking about and I got really, really low. Mm. Um, and at that moment though, when I was at my lowest point, that's when something clicked and I started writing songs. Um, I wrote over a little over 200 songs last year. Oh my goodness. Um, and I, I went to Nashville and, and showed them to these to these other writers. And we didn't try and write the next Christian music hit. We just wrote songs. Yeah. And I was really, really honest with, even it was like the first time I was writing with the person, I would just be very, very honest about what was going on with me. Yeah. It was the most healing experience because sometimes when you go to Nashville and you write songs for you know country music or, or Christian music, it's there's this pressure. It's like, oh, we got to have a hit. We got to have a yeah. hit. And... I just couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. couldn't. I couldn't get in that mindset, you know, for I, I I needed to write those dark songs and I needed to write those other songs that that were a little heavier um, to get through stuff. Because there's just, you know, if I if I tried to write some some kind of happy song, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to be. It's not going to work out. We're going to write a bad song. Right. But yeah, right. I wrote, wrote over 200 songs and and I figured out really what I want to say and how I want to say it. Um, and that's, that's what we're working on now is this sort of this new, um, EP or album. We're not, I'm not really sure what it is yet, but I'm hoping that it's an album. I've always wanted to make an album, but, um, it's going to have this, this sort of, it's not like a concept album, but it's going to have sort of this darkness to light kind of thing where it's going to start off, where I was. And then by the end, there's this, you know, feeling of almost redemption in a way of just, yeah. 
you know, and there's, it'll be, what's the, uh, it's, it's, forgive me, this is going to sound stupid. The sort of the, uh, the epilogue of a book that's sort of like Mm -hmm. after the book's over, there's the sort of last page. Yeah. Sort of the song coming out tonight. Note to self is sort of the epilogue of, of the whole story, which is, I think is cool. But, um, but yeah, but in no hopeless soul was sort of the start of that. And I'm so glad that no hopeless soul was the first song because it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's the gospel. Yeah. You are not hopeless. You know, God is, God has provided a way, you know, he's provided the gospel. And I think that's, that's a great way to start, you know, a career is, is with the gospel. Well, I always end my podcast this way. Every Saturday I send a newsletter to a bunch of folks who have committed to praying for artists. And so how can we specifically be praying for you in the weeks and the months that are in front of us? These next couple songs that are that are coming out, I've been in heavy prayer for, uh, for for many months. You know, there's been some behind the scenes things that have that have sort of changed, and I'm just I'm really hoping these songs reach people and really really help people. So yeah, pray for this these next these next few songs that they they really have an impact for the gospel. Thank you, Stephen, for dropping by to share your story today. I appreciate your willingness to share your journey through the tough parts of life. It's, it's really amazing to me how topics come by in batches, and I probably am going to sound like a broken record, but I've really been made aware lately of how the reality of life is that there are difficult things we have to work through. They may be physical, like an accident on a jet ski that leaves you scarred, or tough stuff like being depressed and filled with anxiety. Now, I never want to offer platitudes about how if you just stick with it or ask God to help, everything's going to be okay, because I know that that really isn't helpful. At least it hasn't been for me. So I don't want to come across sounding trite or unsympathetic, but I do keep hearing the same theme over and over again. The Bible, God's Word, has the answer. This seems almost too simple of an answer, quite frankly, and I've had several guests mention this in past episodes. But again, Stephen talked about it today. One of the key things that is his saving grace is reading Scripture every day to help bolster his relationship with Jesus. In fact, Stephen talked about putting on the whole armor of God, and he's referencing Ephesians 6, 11-17 there. One of the key pieces of that armor is the good news, or the Word of God. For me, it's a real challenge to make time to read my Bible every day. But if I think about God's Word as a key component of my health, does that make it any different for me? Obviously, when I'm sick or have an infection, I'm all too eager to take the medicine that's going to help heal my body. And I actually take a daily vitamin as prevention to help my body be healthier to combat sicknesses before they come my way. So why do I treat the Bible any different for my spiritual health? Yes, it has answers for the things I'm going through, but maybe taking some time to hide God's Word in my heart, as I'm instructed in Psalm 119, would be a great proactive step, like taking my multivitamin each day. This is my current challenge, quite frankly, friends. Not just making time to read the Bible, but actively recognizing that this is good medicine for me. Reading God's Word spending time with him is going to help me be prepared 
when things aren't going to go well spiritually, mentally, or emotionally. This week, I featured Stephen Stanley's songs No Hopeless Soul and Note to Self. You'll find both of these songs on his website, and I'll be sure to put a link to his website in the show notes. And I always like to remind you that buying music on Stephen's website is the best way to support him and his work. Of course, you can also stream these songs on all of your favorite streaming platforms. As always, thank you for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to the podcast, would you be willing to join the prayer team? You know that every week I ask our artists how we can pray for them, and I highlight those requests along with seven others every week in my newsletter. So you can sign up for that newsletter at christianmusicarchive.com slash prayer, and I really appreciate your joining me each week. Next week, I'm talking with Kendall Payne. You might remember her from her 1999 Dove Award-winning album, Jordan's Sister. We talk about some pretty tough topics around divorce and sexuality and how all of that fits into a relationship with Jesus. This was an especially good conversation, and I think you'll want to hear it. So join me next week and every week when I share stories of the people you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. But to close things out, as always, you know what's coming. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. It's time for another Mischievous Mowers Miscellaneous Misquotes. I used to think I was indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. <laughs>